Exploring righteousness. As I said, we've been, we've been preaching numerous messages regarding righteousness. Beautiful subject. And um, when you first think about righteousness, you think about, you know, that, that whole idea of, of being clean before God, being able to stand before the Lord and, and actually being able to be able to be in His presence and and of course, all of the concepts that surround that, you know, all that Christ has done, he is our righteousness. That, of course, is, is the core of, you know, the whole subject. You know, dealing with sin and being, being deemed to be righteous because of faith, you know, through grace. This is our thing. And so today we're going to talk about the rule of grace. And you think, well, does grace rule? Well, we, we've already spoken a fair bit about righteousness ruling because, you know, Christ's kingdom is a righteous kingdom and Jesus Christ rules and there's concepts in the scripture concerning the rule of righteousness. And but there's a passage that tweaked my interest with regard to grace. And so we're going to continue to explore righteousness. It's a wonderful thing. Beautiful subject. Last week we talked and we spoke out of this scripture here in John 16, verses 7 to 11. And so what did I call this one for the sake of the tape? It's called Exploring Righteousness. The rule of grace. So here in John 16 it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So this is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So you can see there I've highlighted the word righteousness. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Last week I, we talked about those, those three aspects of the, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting with regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. We talked also for a little bit about the reason there that Jesus gave concerning righteousness. He, says, he said the Holy Spirit would come and convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And that sort of just makes you think. And of course, the actual foundation of, of the role of the Holy Spirit and righteousness itself is that Jesus Christ the perfect Lamb of God, deemed worthy and has been found worthy and is worthy, he went into that heavenly tabernacle, his blood poured out on the real temple, that is things, the altar in heaven, the real one, of which on the earth was just a shadow, and his blood shed. And because he's perfect, because he, of who he is, because of his obedience, once and for all, our sins 
atoned for, our sins cleansed. The, you know, the, God is, is appeased. The penalty is paid. Everything that needed to be done has been done. And because Jesus Christ did it, and he knew no sin, death couldn't hold him, he's risen and he's glorified and he can stand and did stand before the Father as that Lamb of God. John the Baptist referred to it, you know, when he saw him, ah, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was that one, Jesus is that one, and he's gone to the Father. And one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit could be sent was because Jesus indeed died. He lived the perfect life. He died for our sins and offered up all of that which needed to be offered up to appease and to satisfy. He is our propitiation. There's the, you know, the word if you want to look it up and Google it. The propitiation of our sins. A beautiful, beautiful concept. Wonderful subject. And so he goes to the Father, completed everything, and so that means that we, in Christ Jesus, can also stand before the Father. That is the source of our righteousness. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And then it says, and you will see me no longer. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And this is where it gets a little bit more, well, I, I find it very interesting because it affects us now. Jesus is talking to his disciples who were mere men, just like us. They were just people. They had fears. And they, and they walked with Jesus. They had all these dreams. They thought, oh, Jesus is going to be this amazing thing. And they had to completely change the way they thought with regard to what the kingdom was and what God had in mind. And, and for, for them, their minds actually didn't come into full understanding until after Jesus had been you know, crucified and risen from the dead and then ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit came out and, and these things opened up to them. They started to begin to understand, ah, this kingdom is not a kingdom that can be touched. This is a kingdom that is here on earth in time, but it's a spiritual kingdom and it's made up of something that is not built by the hands of men. It's not... What they had in their mind was a physical kingdom that had a, a king and armies and an economy and it would do, dominate and do, have dominion in, in, a, in the world in a physical way. But the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting them, teaching them, showing them, and the disciples came to understand that, ah, no, this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. But it's not something that's confined just to the future, but it's something that the Lord is building on earth in time, and we're a part of it right now. And so here you have this, this whole idea here where, where Jesus is introducing something. He says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And so there needs to be this role of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us, because Christ is in heaven and there's a whole heap more work to be done on the earth, which the Lord Jesus Christ has started. And this work continues, but it continues in us. And so, it just goes on and on. 
So I'll just refer to a couple of other little scriptures just to, to show that, that this type of thinking is, is correct. Because when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, you know, when you pray, pray like this. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God wants what he wills in heaven to be done on earth. And here we know the Lord Jesus says, it's good that I go because I'll send the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to the Father to accomplish that finished work of salvation in that heavenly tabernacle, the fullness of the outworking, so that that new covenant can be established, and it was and it is. And he says, you will see me no longer. So we won't see him physically or no longer, but we will have the work of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the, you know, the, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. But you'll notice at the time when he gives this commission, in another gospel, he gives this instruction. Stay in Jerusalem until you're in, you've been given power from on high, until the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit who will do this work. Jesus needed to go into heaven to finish his work because the finished work of that which needed to be done, you know, that the actual establishment in the heavenly realms, you know, is Jesus' blood, yes, it was spilt here on earth, but Jesus was risen, and he was the one, the perfect Lamb of God. And this all occurred in a heavenly tabernacle, a real tabernacle, and that exists not in an earthly realm, but in a heavenly realm, in eternity realm. And that's where the, the finished work was accomplished. And because we are in Christ, we are beneficiaries of that work. And so the giving of the Holy Spirit, you know, the short answer, you know, amongst, you know, there's many ways to look at this, but the short answer is the Holy Spirit helps us to establish not only righteousness in our own lives, you know, with regard to the conviction of sin and teaching us what we ought to believe, challenging us for the things that we believe that are incorrect, overcoming the enemy, you know, in terms of, you know, because the enemy has been judged, but he also, the Holy Spirit helps us righteousness in ourselves, but also righteousness in the earth, a rule of righteousness in the earth. And God has plans for the earth. God has plans for all of mankind. And these plans were not new. We can go back and we can see that this is actually God's eternal plan. In Isaiah 32, verse 1 there, it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. In this one prophecy, we have a reference to Jesus, the king who will reign in righteousness. And then we have a reference to princes, plural. This is... These are people. This is a, like a, a royal household. And we are part of God's household. 
and we rule with Christ in justice. These concepts, we won't go into it now, of righteousness and justice, they're closely linked. You know, to, to execute judge justice for someone to, to do something or to establish something that is just, well, then it's not going to be based upon a lie. It's going to be based upon truth. It's going to be based upon something that is in right standing, something that will stand up before the throne of God. And princes, that's, that's God's people. People who are part of God's royal household because it, we are a kingly people, a priestly people. We'll rule in justice. Here in Jeremiah 23, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign. He shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. We know from our understanding of the scriptures that this, this one that was raised up for David, a righteous branch, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shall reign. And how does he reign? Well, of course, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. His words are written in our heart. And he reigns on earth in us. But in, in reality, in regard to eternity, he is ruling from heaven. And we are in Christ Jesus, a heavenly people. And it goes on and says in that same passage, verse 6, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And this, this was a prophet. Long before Christ came, spoken, Jeremiah, speaking to the people. Speaking to God's people. God had an eternal plan. And this plan is ongoing. It's a plan, an ongoing plan for righteousness. We read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, no, sir, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive, says alive together. So we were dead, even though we physically are alive, spiritually we're dead, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And Jesus raised us, us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of your own doing but it is a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one should shall boast, or no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here in the scripture, we see God's had a plan. He's always had a plan. And the plan is being carried out, and the plan is ongoing. And we are a part of that plan, here on earth, in time, right now. And you notice in that passage, and other passages of course, where, 
where grace is very much a part of it. Because we're saved by grace, through faith. Just there it says, not a result of works. It says there in that last verse that I read, which God prepared beforehand. These, these good works, these things were created all in the heart of God. There's one little passage there that says, this little phrase, it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Some folk, you know, and you can have a tendency to think that the coming ages, oh, well, that, that doesn't refer to now. That refers to some future age. But no, notice that it's actually a plural. And if you were to go and look at the, the Greek word behind that word, um, it, it does have this ongoing eternal context, but it, but it does not exclude the application to right here, right now, on earth, in time. And so all of these things, this wonderful plan that God has for his righteousness is not confined only to some future age, but no, right here, right now. There's a whole host of things that we could you know, talk about some more. So we'll, the focus of this, what I want to talk about, is, is, is grace. You know, ruling. There's this whole concept that you see in, in the scriptures with regard to how we receive our, our salvation. You know, Romans chapter... Th- it's talking about this verse 3 Paul says for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was counted another version will say and it was credited to him as righteousness now to the one who works his wages are not counted as a gift but what is due and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly His faith is counted as righteousness. So the the, the thing that we receive from God is not because we've earned it. The thing that we receive, our righteousness, our salvation, our justification, is because of grace. And this grace rules. It's it's quite astounding. You know, it's, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing part. You think before we talked about that righteous branch, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus, in John 15, he, he takes this, this whole idea of, of us being a part of him. Jesus was that righteous branch. Jesus is the root, and then this righteous branch comes up, and then another one of the prophecies earlier talks about how it comes up out of Jesse, And this is talking about Jesus, and this grows up God's plan, his plan for righteousness, his plan for a righteous rule, the kingdom of God. David will always have a a king on his throne, and this is the throne of Christ. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now Jesus is that, that root and that branch and that vine 
You, you get all of these things, you, the, the illustrations of scripture get all tied up into this pattern. And what we see is that we become a part of it. Jesus is described as a root. He's described as that shoot that comes out like a branch that comes out of the stump of Jesse. And the prophets talk about a righteous branch coming up and this is Jesus and this will... And now Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The picture continues. We are actually a part of that. We get grafted in and become a part. And there, there in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we, we need to remain in him, be attached to him, connect from him, have what we believe coming from him. But then later on, 10 verses later in verse 15, Jesus gives us some more information about how he regards us. He says, I no longer, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Can you see how, in terms of the way that God is thinking, the way that Jesus is thinking, we are a part of the vine as branches. We're attached and we're meant to bear fruit. But now he's changed the picture language. He says, you're no longer only servants, but now you've come in and you're friends. And I share with you matters concerning my own business, things that I wouldn't tell my servants. You're actually becoming a part of something. You're becoming a part of that, of who, of who God is, part of his plan. And you see, there's a shift in thinking that the Lord wants to take us. You know, in, instead of righteousness, he never wants us to think this way because we can't get righteousness like this. You know, as being something that we earn based on what we do. But, but rather, it's, it's something that we are. We are a part of that holy tree. We are branches that are connected to that vine and we bear fruit and we are not just servants who live in a servant's quarters but no, we are his friends who he invites into, into that and around his table. I need to, um, need to wrap up We've been going for a little while. Romans 5. I've coloured this verse in or this passage in all different colours. I should probably come back to it and just preach on this one passage. See there in that very last, the very last verse in this passage. It says, So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness. When we, before we know Jesus, we are spiritually dead. In the beginning, when 
God said to Adam and Eve, said, don't eat of that tree, or if you do, you will surely die. When they disobeyed God and didn't believe God and they ate of the fruit of that tree, they didn't physically die, not straight away. Eventually they did. But in that moment, they spiritually died. And the sin of Adam so polluted all of humanity such that we are born and we are dead, spiritually dead. But because of the work of the cross, because of the work of Christ, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, sin no longer has to reign. We have a, a way in Christ by the, the work of the Spirit in us to say no to unrighteousness and to live a godly and upright life. And we can be saved. And when we are saved, when faith is in our heart, we are no longer subject to death. We actually come alive. I might preach some more about this next week, the, these concepts. But then this leads straight, straight on to this other concept. It says, as sin reigned in death, so sin reigned in death, and there's not only just physical death, but more directly, spiritually dead, not able to approach God, not able to know God, not able to be in God's household, it says grace also might reign through righteousness. Grace reigns. How does it reign? Through righteousness. And so this is something for us to explore some more. But we want, in Mount Morgan, grace to reign. Because nobody's heart's are changed just by telling them what to do. It has to be by grace. It has to be a work of the Spirit. And I was talking before about a shift of, of the way we think. And there'll be many ways, I guess, to try and, try and explain this, but, but it's probably a little like this. It's like when you... Um, when you're going out and you're looking for work, you have a certain type of attitude, a certain type of thinking. You're looking for a job. And so you'll think a certain way because you're looking for a job. But when you actually get the job, you've been employed, and you're going to get a pay packet, well then your thinking changes. You've got a job. You're a part of a, a team, maybe. But you've got a job. So no longer do you think like one who is looking for a job, but you'll think like one who has got a job. And depending on how you think, you know, if you apply yourself to your job and you, you, know, you, you learn the skills and you excel, there's every chance you'll, you mightn't stay in that job, but you'll be promoted and you get advanced to, to other, doing other things. But the point of this little illustration, though it not be a maybe not a very good illustration, is that your thinking changes from one place to another place. Perhaps more accurately is, is like if you think about someone that is thinking about starting a business, 
You're dreaming about it, thinking, thinking. But when you actually start the business, your thinking changes because you've got this activity involved. And when we we're called to do things, to be things, and we're looking for outcomes on the ground. But it must be. It, it comes out of something that, that is, that is a, a set of beliefs, righteous beliefs, a place of standing where the Lord moves us so we can actually press in. And we're believing for something for Mount Morgan and this starts for ourselves. And I guess my time is gone. It's well and truly gone. But to press into this, this idea of, of in being filled with the Holy Spirit. You think what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's good that I go. Then he says, the Holy Spirit will come. And he will convict the world with regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no more. In the disciples, there had to be a shift in their thinking from Jesus is going to be here on earth and he's going to do it and we're going to be part of it to know Jesus is in heaven and we're in heaven also, but well, here we are on earth and we're doing it with him. There's a, a shift in thinking occurred and did occur in the disciples' mind. And the Lord wants us to understand also, more than we do, the shift in thinking that Jesus Christ has gone to the Father and he sent his Holy Spirit. And like someone who's not looking for a job, but we've got a job, and like someone who is just not thinking about starting a business, but they've actually started the business, then the way we think needs to shift. And the Holy Spirit is, is required. And in this, the rule. You think about rule. How, how are we ruled? We're ruled by what we believe. Everything we do or don't do comes out of what we believe. Our salvation, our righteousness is dependent upon faith. It has no other place. So in this verse, there is a, and in this work of the Holy Spirit, there's meant to be this shift of thinking. And we can tie our brains in knots thinking about it, you know, try and understand it. And some things are meant to be understood. But one thing I know is that there's meant to be a shift in how we think. And grace is meant to reign through righteousness in us. And that has effect in our own life. It has effect and will have an effect in Mount Morgan. So I'm believing for it. There's another sermon or two or ten in this passage. And I'll, I'll leave it there because I'm 40 minutes in. And let's pray. I'm very grateful that you're here with me and that together we can believe not only for ourselves and for each other, for this congregation, but for Mount Morgan. Because we, we want to press in 
continuing breakthrough. Father, we have seen in the scriptures and in the work of Christ that things were declared in the spiritual realm and then astounding outcomes occurred in history, in lives, in cities, in nations. Sometimes those outcomes were not necessarily nice to think about, like the complete and absolute destruction of Jerusalem. Those things were a result of of what was foretold and the very things that were said, not only by yourself but by others. It was declared and prophesied. But then there's all the other positive examples we see in church history. Lord, we have a place to rule in Christ Jesus and we barely understand it and our minds need to shift to understand it. And we know from your word that you give to us your Holy Spirit And even though, and you said it was a good thing, and even though you are going to the Father and we will see you no more, you are with us and you're with us by your Spirit. Would you help us? May my mind shift. And Lord, I pray this for the sake of not only us, but for the sake of Mount Morgan. All this region, this locality, and all of central Queensland, Lord, shift our hearts. Thank you that you hear our prayer. Lord, I'm looking forward to complete Victory in the air. The God of this age that blinds the the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot see. Lord, that enemy destroyed. Lord, may the gospel prosper here in Mount Morgan. Thank you for the rule of Christ. Thank you for the rule of righteousness. And I thank you that grace that which comes by, Lord, we don't earn it and we don't deserve it, but grace is power. Your power and your grace rules, that power rules in righteousness. Help us all the more to understand these things and to walk in them, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.